The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome. Sorry. (laughs) I'm really good at that. That was really, that was (laughs) was a good one. Really (laughs) good quality. Thank you. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I Candy Kimsey. The first candy you'll grab out of the Halloween bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Some people like candy corn. There's no accounting for taste. I like the candy pumpkin. Nerds. Yes. <laughs> I do not. And All candy right. corns. They taste like eating wax. Please. <laughs> the Pink Panther. I actually liked that when I was a kid. Uh, it's still good now. <laughs> I love those flute fails. Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. Three to the Edge. Edgerton. Hello. <laughs> what was that? Behind the Glass. Rocket Man. I brought Andy my Bishop. with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was deep, bro. That was deep. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Hello, I want to represent. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's good. And Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. And for our part two of our holiday edition, my wife, Holly, is in the house. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was going to try the hello. <laughs> that was pretty good. Well, we're back to part two here on our study of exorcisms. Did you say part Jew here? (laughs) Part Jew here and exorcisms in the Bible. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but that kind of stuff, like if I were to to witness any of this stuff, I would have freaked out in person, especially the Legion thing. Like I would have freaked out. Oh, yeah. Or to watch Jesus you know, talk to somebody and say, be quiet and come out of him. And then suddenly you see them like shriek. I would have walked and, like, on the water the other way <laughs> that we came from. <laughs> yeah, like Fred Flintstone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. Well, I had a Sunday school teacher who said that he had done exorcisms and he said it is one of the most frightening experiences that you'll ever have. And he said, if you knew how many people around you actually had demons either a oppressing them or possessing them, it would terrify you. Now, did he do this as a ministry or did he do this to make money? It was a ministry. He never charged for it. Mm, Okay. And I never witnessed one in person, but now I wish I could go back because that would be interesting and bizarre. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you seen the the Pope's Exorcist? No, I haven't. The one you, yeah, I haven't seen it. And then Nefarious. You've got to see this. I will watch Nefarious. You've told me about it. I have a thing, like I've made scary movies, but I don't like to watch them. Oh, gotcha. And the so, Pope's Exorcist is not yeah. a horror movie. It's made out to be a horror movie. Yeah. But it really is this the story of the Pope's Exorcist, mm. his main guy at the Vatican. Yeah. And one of the most horrific, he's got thousands of stories. Well, I'll check it out. And then The I'll Exorcist Files, now that's a, it's a... It puts the hair on the back of your neck right up into position. Oh, yeah. I like your scary movies. I think you should give them a link to go watch those. I don't even know about them, so I can't wait. I mean, I've heard you talk about them, but I don't know. I'm not scared. Go to tackytiefilms.com. Yep. Okay. Tackytiefilms.com. You can watch Still Waters, and you can watch Witch, and um, both of which Mr. Andy Bishop did the sound on, and Ralph Hicks did camera work. Billy Kimsey loaned us the Bazinga. Oh, the that's boat. right. The boat. That's when I met and Billy. Used actually. The sawmill. We and used the sawmill. Used the sawmill that's, right. that's exactly kind of right. A, a side note: uh, Bill O'Reilly just wrote uh, "Killing the Witchers." And oh. Billy, I saw that's coming out. Yeah, Billy's out in Witch, isn't he? He You're is. Witch, he dances. I thought you oh, cut yeah. me out. No, I didn't. Oh. No, you made the cut. You made oh. the original. Oh. 
And then whenever we were going to do the redux, we had to take you out because it was so silliness. So all the eye candy fun. is there. He actually does a little dance with a broom. It's very with funny. clothes on. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> <Darn>. <laughs> well, in the PG thirteen version, yeah. but do you change yeah. your pronouns? <laughs> <laughs> so where we left off in part one was in regard to the maniac of Gadara and the legion of demons that Jesus exercised. But before we go on through the Gospels to try and gain information regarding demons, I want to skip way ahead to an account found in the book of Acts that will give us insight into the difficulty of exorcisms and the consequences of trying to do it. So in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 20, we read, do you mind to read that, um, Ralph? And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the enemy. Loser! Loser. <laughs> right, right. Loser. I know Jesus, but I don't never met you. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all of the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts bought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, brought for you, Andy. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Thank you, Ralph. So, Was it naked? There's always nakedness with demons. Why did they flee? Why naked? is that the only word you heard beat there? Down. Because that's they got the, the one that makes it extra weird. They got yeah. beat. Yeah, they were getting beat to death, and they were trying they to get out of the off. house, and it tore their clothes well, off. Most cases, yeah. Them up. Good. Well, yeah, we got in a fight, and my pants Listen. fell off, and so did his, and so did his, and so did his. Uh, it was the craziest fight, guys. On Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Yeah, we all had to pee. Yeah, but when they crucified you, they crucified you. They were doing it for free, man. I just saw a fight on Twitter where a girl. Hit another girl at Walmart, and by the end of it, one of the girls was laying naked on the floor in Walmart. Like it was bad. It was a beat. But down. most people that go into Walmart ain't wearing a whole lot of clothes anyway. <laughs> I've never been well, in a true. pants off fight. I what, must. What's that sock called? So the obvious thing that I want to point out here is that the power given to the disciples and Paul by the Holy Spirit in regard to demonic possession became a tangible thing. And as we just read, God was doing extraordinary miracles at this that time through Paul. And the author of Acts, Dr. Luke, tells us that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. So what we're learning here is that yes, Paul was a special instrument of God to perform miraculous healings and exorcisms, but Luke wants us to hone in on the value of this. It's not about the money. It's about God's mercy. And Jesus taught his disciples that you cannot serve God in money. So in this particular account, Luke is telling us about the itinerant Jewish exorcists. These men were traveling from place to place, collecting wages for their services. Now, it stands to reason that these men had been successful at exorcisms in the past, like you had said in our first part, Sarita, about how there were exorcists already around. So it stands to reason that these men had been successful at it. Because they had already been doing it, right? So how else could they go around collecting money? Now, it just says itinerant. It doesn't say they collect money, but it's sort of alluded to here, right? So to me, perhaps I think that they were charlatans who went around like selling snake oil to unsuspecting Jews that were simply being conned. An example of this would be for a band of men working together in towns where no one knew them. And one man would act as a demon-possessed person, suffering some kind of malady. Another would perform a ritual that would miraculously heal the other one. So it's a ruse on the simple-minded. Hello, Benny Hinn. Exactly. Well, well that, that was that movie with, um, oh man. What's his name? It was the two cup, the two guys. Um. <laughs> Let me, oh, Heckle I know the Jekyll. movie. The, you're, the, <laughs> Heckle and Jekyll. The Green Mile? 
<laughs> Are you talking about the? Uh, oh, they, I know what you're talking about. They were going around conning in Jesus. The two name? brothers. The two brothers. And I it can't was remember. Kind of a kind of a Disney spinoff. The Prestige. No. Oh. Okay. Sorry. If it comes to you, just shout it right in the middle of the study. (laughs) Nope. Just right in the middle of it. Like a demon's got you. (laughs) However, Jesus in one of his sermons tells of people who had the power to cast out demons in his name, but was never actually known by him. And so he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Cherry, will you tell us what that is? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So to me, it's obvious that Jesus knew these type of people would crop up at times and do miraculous things like casting out a demon. But it, but it makes clear that he never knew them in a way here on earth that would grant them access to the kingdom of heaven. So, these Jewish exorcists were seeing the amazing results of Paul's ministry, but never repented or were ever baptized by the Holy Spirit. They were venture capitalists trying to make a play on Paul's, quote, business, unquote. The Brothers Grimm. Oh, the Brothers Grimm. They were conning. I never saw that. Yeah. Is that Heath Ledger? Um, yeah, no. I think... No, it wasn't Heath Ledger. Matt Damon? Matt Damon and <laughs> definitely not Ben Affleck. Um, Those two couldn't con anybody. Who's the? the <laughs> uh, they've conned y'all out of lots of money. I know they, they sure have. A lot of films um, together. The guy that played the Joker that has passed away. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Ledger. Yes, you're right. So, yep. Okay. Good job. So, Sarita. I love Heath Ledger. <laughs> So when he tells us that after the devastating results of those Jewish exorcist attempt, which got them demon-possessed in the process and sent them into running around naked and insane, that those who saw it were pricked in their hearts and gave up on magicians altogether. And this move by the Holy Spirit closed down the magic shops. I also want to make something, uh, an important note here. The value of those magic books that were burned based on today's currency value would be to the tune of five and a half million dollars. So that's a lot of guacamole. That is. Oh. So all those magic books that they burned were 50,000 pieces of silver, and in that time— They're book burners! That's right. Are we assuming a piece is an ounce, or do you know? Well, the, well, I went I went and looked it up about what pieces of silver were valued at mm-hmm. in that okay. area okay. in the first century. That makes sense. And so those that particular coinage of the area, the total value would be about $5.5 million today. It's so much book money. Oh, man. I've spent not Joel quite Osteen that much, but Joel would be devastated. Yeah, that book you said you have on the deceits and that the, the, the cheapest the one that you can find. Out, yeah, they're, they're one hundred and seventy-five to five hundred dollars. There are no copies available at the moment. Would you like one? If you have one, yes. Okay. Not 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 for you to spend that kind of money for on for three hundred and fifty dollars. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, I got I got the I got the PDF version. Nineteen ninety-five down. It's all right here on my phone. For oh, absolutely. Years. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So. I'll send it to you, and I won't tell anybody. Better <laughs> <laughs> watch copyright. Laws. I know exactly. nothing. So, so uh, let's go back to another account, okay, in the Synoptic Gospels regarding an exorcism that Jesus' disciples attempted to perform, but were unsuccessful. And fortunately for them, Jesus arrives right on time. So let's read where Jesus, with Peter, James, and John in tow, come down from the mountain where he had just transfigured in front of them, blowing their minds. And those three men had just witnessed Jesus glow as bright as the sun, and they watched a portal open, or at least that's what I think is happening, and that brought Moses and Elijah to speak to Jesus with them. So as these three disciples are following Jesus down the mountain and just learned that Elijah had come in the form of John the Baptist, they suddenly come upon a crowd of people gathered around the other disciples trying to exercise a demon out of a young boy or out of a boy and can't get the job done. In fact, There are some scribes there arguing with the disciples about it. And to me, that must have been a crazy scene. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, Sarita, will you read that for us? And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, 
I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered to them, he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, he asked his disciples, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind of thing cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So that account is, to me, I, I love that scene. You know, I just, they're having trouble. They can't get it. And then here comes Jesus. And when he, when he says, oh, faithless generation, every time Jesus says that, it's always bugged me. Does that bug you? It reminds me of when they got out of the boat and started walking on the water and then all of a sudden fell back in. It's like, here, you're doing it. And then yeah, like, you lost your faith for a second. Sometimes he's almost like, oi, you know? <laughs> like, how much longer am I going to put up with you idiots? That's <laughs> what it feels like, you know? Yeah, Just said, know that you can do it. He said that after feeding the 5,000. Yeah, he did. And, and they asked him, will you show us a sign? Yeah. I know. Like, so, in Luke's account, uh, Holly, do you mind to read that same event, but with a twist in Luke 9, 37 through 45? I wanted to read it in John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him, so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him, and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming down, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Thank you. That's what you meant when you said it went over their heads. Yes. Yeah, so in this account, Jesus says, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to bear with you? But notice in particular that at that very moment when the crowd is sitting there and their minds are melted, that he turns to his disciples and says, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. So why do you think he said that? At that moment, think about the distinctions between these two accounts of Mark and Luke, the lack of faith by his disciples as in regard to how they manage their physical bodies. And another area in Matthew was talking about fasting and the exercise of talking with God in prayer to succeed in this type of exorcism. But then Jesus wants them to really get what he's about to say in this moment. So he says, let these words sink into your ears. And that's exactly what happened. Those words sunk like a lead balloon <laughs> down deep into their psyche, but the Spirit of God concealed the meaning. They had him, but did not have ears to hear at that moment. But I think he was also telling them, to, you need to start listening and paying attention. And you also need to have faith because, you know, soon I won't be here. 
mm-hmm. and you're going to have to be doing this. So I think that's the beginning of him starting to clue them in as to he is, get with he it. He's definitely cluing them in, and they're not getting it. And they are now saying they're too afraid to ask him. Why? Because he just said, how much longer do I have to deal with you right, Exactly. <laughs> and so they're like, well, I ain't asking him. You asking him? I ain't asking him. <laughs> Let's get not, Judas. <laughs> even at the Last Supper, when Jesus says something, they're like, they're all looking around like, what, what? And they're like, hey, hey, Lazarus, you're pretty close to him. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, John, you're pretty close to him. <laughs> Hey Lazarus. So anyway, Luke teaches us that he actually that he actually said this at this very moment. So Jesus is alluding to his capture and ultimate death sentence. And something is going to happen. And what they just went through was a teachable moment for the disciples. But the teaching was for them to learn later. They would have to look back on this moment for the meaning to be clear to them when it matters most for them. And I'll give you a hint at what I think it is. Every one of those disciples would be delivered into the hands of men for their faith in him, except for Judas, who would kill himself before anyone could get to him. And all the others, however, will be captured and killed. John will be boiled alive and left to live. So chew on that for a minute. Not John, but the idea. <laughs> while, I, <laughs> while I bring up something from this last, our last episode to clarify. If you remember that I said that there aren't any exorcism in the Gospel of John, I do want to point out that in one account, a demon is mentioned. So please listen carefully to this portion from A. John. <laughs> there is something key to the idea of demons here. In John 8, 31 through 59, we read, this is a lot, okay? So sit back. Cherry, do you want to read it? Sure. Hammer down. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin in a slave is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glory myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Thank you, Cherry. So, something that I didn't put in the notes that I wanted to just bring to your attention. If you guys will look at verse 41, right before it says, this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your fa- that your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Why do you think they said that? I was wondering that myself. Do you know why? Was it because of his birth? Yes. There we go. Because what's going on here is that they're like, he's an illegitimate child. Right. Because he was born of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't of Joseph's bloodline. So they know this. And so that's when they bring up, oh, are we not telling the truth that you're a Samaritan? So a lot of people have said, oh, that Mary got raped by a Roman soldier. You've heard this. That's not what the Jews are thinking. They think that she had an affair with a Samaritan. That's what's happening. You pick up on that? So there's a lot happening here, okay? And Jesus is like, you are not, you are of your father. Oh, but we we never, we're not guilty of sexual immorality. Like your mama is, your mama, Right? It's, it's a showdown between these people. And so then they're like, well, are you not a Samaritan and a demon? Now they're calling the son of God a demon. All right? They're calling him a demon. Not saying he's using the prince of demons. They're actually saying he is. You he has one, not the prince of demons, but he has one. But, all right. So if you consider the Jews' response to Jesus initially about being sons of Abraham, you should pick up on how they see themselves. And this is funny to me. They say, we've never been slaves. Did you notice that? That's a strange thing for them to say, isn't it? The entire book of Exodus is about how they were slaves to Egypt before God rescued them. Their Passover celebrations, all of their feasts, it's because they were brought out when they were slaves. But But, they said, we've never been slaves. But physically, they weren't. Physically, they were. They weren't. They were. They weren't. They were never. Oh, slaves. you mean them people? The, He's talking that, about. I understand. You mean those people? The, the ones that were like, like that me, particular I've never been generation. Yeah, but that they was... weren't physically born of Abraham either. Exactly right. But they were his bloodline. So, so he's talking about. There's a culturally they, speaking, they, we've ta- never been slaves, right? They're, but they're talking in two different ways. Well, I they're mean, technically even, slaves of the Romans. Well, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> well, I see where you're going. Well, they, I mean, they are. They're saying, well, we've never been slaves. Yeah, exactly. They were never slaves. We weren't the ones enslaved in Egypt. Right. Our, our ancestors, our ancestors were. That's were right. But he also kind of Jews at them in verse 34. Jesus does. Yeah. He said he who practices sin is a slave to it. Yeah. He's talking about what they're practicing. Yes. He's. Well, what was he talking about when he said that their father was the devil? Yeah. Because their father is the devil. Their descendants... I mean, we can talk about spiritually speaking, or we can get like Arnold Murray at Shepherd's Chapel and say they're the sons of Cain. Like, it it gets a lot of people think it's the sons of Cain, like that he was a descendant directly from the devil. Because he was a murderer from the beginning. From the beginning. He was Cain. Remember, Cain Cain was the murderer from the beginning. And so they call him the Kenites, and it's the sons of Cain. I don't know that that's all about it. I don't think they could be possibly. The only thing that would lead into the family of Cain continuing was through Noah. One of yeah. Noah's sons' wives was had a descendant to, of Cain. Descendant of Cain, right? It had to have been. If and Arnold Murray actually tracks that all the way through the genealogies, like of the different. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Gotcha. I don't necessarily agree with it, but some people think that's what he's saying: is that he's the son of the devil or the sons of Cain, whose father was the murderer I mean, from the it, beginning. It's a possibility. I mean, I don't know the genealogies well enough. To me, I can also well, look at it We don't know like, who was standing there either. They were definitely the sons of the devil who were going to kill the Christ. That's what they were going to do, right? So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to look at it. But to me, their point isn't about physical slavery. It can be because the thought to me would be ludicrous, but whatever. What they're saying is that because they are God's chosen people through Abraham, that they, are, they were never enslaved. That's what I think they're doing. That's me. And in their mind, they, they only serve the one true God. And so think about it. They're currently living in an occupied country. The Romans tax them heavily and they can't escape it, but they believe God will ultimately deliver them. So they're not slaves. 
It's just an unfortunate circumstance they're in, right? <laughs> so Jesus is pointing out that the only deliverance that will come to them is either through the promised seed of Abraham. What did I say? Only deliverance that will come to them is through the promised seed of Abraham, Jesus, the Christ himself. But they think he's demon-possessed. And Jesus makes it clear that he not only isn't demon-possessed, but that they are actually of their true father, the devil. So, what I'm trying to tie together from this account in John to the other synoptic gospels, where Jesus tells his disciples to let the words sink in their ears about casting, after casting out a demon that none of them could, is that his deliverance into the hands of men is the key to ultimately destroying the adversaries of God. He's showing them that his physical body will be destroyed so that they can be free and live. And to me, that's a beautiful piece of information. Wouldn't you agree? In fact, that's what the good news is. It wasn't the cross that got rid of the demons, though. The cross finished the old covenant and began the end of the age. And the resurrection brought the new covenant, and with it the Holy Spirit, that would give those who believe in the Son of God the power to set the captives free. So wherever the gospel would go, the disciples and Paul, other believers, would encounter demons, yet they would be given authority to exercise them. And all of this did not cost money, rather it cost Jesus his life, but only for a little while. So let's read Acts 16. You guys, I didn't have this in the notes earlier. Do you guys have that now? You probably don't. Nope. So Acts 16, I never sent this to you. I'll read it myself. If you read the Bible, you're all probably familiar with the story of the Philippian jailer, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cherry, could you give me an abridged version of that story, like the Philippian jailer? Yeah, I was going to ask my normal yeah. question. What? <laughs> you know the story of the Philippian jailer? The one where Paul and Silas are in yes. there, and he they get released, and he says, falls down, it's like, don't kill me, and they tell him not to kill, yeah, um, not to run away, and yeah, they're, the they're buried. jailer gets saved. Yeah, so they're, yeah. In the, they're in the prison at night, and they're singing hymns, and then God sends an earthquake, and the, the jail breaks open, right? And so all of the prisoners could escape. Well, a Roman soldier who was over the prison, if he lost his prisoners, his sentence would be death. So rather than go and be killed, he was just going to kill himself. But Paul screams and says, don't harm yourself. Stay right here. We're here. We're not going anywhere. And then later he explains the gospel to him and the Philippian jailer gets saved, him and his entire household, and then they get baptized. So that's an amazing story about Paul and Silas going through some serious suffering and then salvation coming out the other end for a Gentile, right? So... We know the outcome of the story, but did you know this fact, that if it hadn't have been for a demon-possessed woman, that none of that would have happened? Did you know that? Is that the one that yeah. was following him? Yeah. Yeah. So in Acts 16, verse 16 through 24, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And that sounds like a missionary, right? And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks." So the fact is, if that demon hadn't possessed that slave girl, and if that slave girl hadn't have irritated the absolute piss out of Paul, Paul wouldn't have turned around and exercised her, which therefore caused her to stop doing what she was doing, which was earning money for her owners, which pissed the owners off, which then brought them to the magistrates, which pissed them off, and then they ripped their clothes off and beat the hell out of them, and then put them in prison. Again, there's this nakedness thing going on. Uh 
a pondering. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah you like all, that, Andy? I think yeah. it's all about the earning money because that's why the Sadducees and the Pharisees wanted them. Everybody mm, was trying to earn money, but everything that Jesus brought Jesus was threatened free. all that. I'm, I'm impressed it took him days to get really that aggravated. I know. You would have smacked her right in the face. <laughs> yes. You'd have been Quick like, like. <laughs> they don't call you the annihilator for nothing. Like, Jeez. <laughs> get thee behind me. <laughs> she wasn't saying anything bad. To me, it's the way she's saying it. She must have been mocking them. Oh, these are the guys who are bringing the most high God. Oh, and the salvation of the Lord. And he's like, for God's sake, woman. Okay, dealing with hecklers all the way back then. <laughs> the heckler. That's great. I didn't even think of the heckler. Nice. So... We have finally solved demonic possession. Thank you. It's over. <laughs> and we did it before nine o'clock. Uh, this one last thought that I wanted to bring up that I didn't put in the notes for you guys is this. Something that's really been racking my brain lately is from one of the last episodes that we had, I got really angry and I was like, the earth you know the the biblical cosmology of the Bible is a is a, is a disc with a dome over it, you know, and that's what the Bible teaches. And go try to show me otherwise. And if you can't, then shut up. And you remember that? How many people came to you about that? It hasn't been released yet. Oh, it it's coming. It's coming soon. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, it's coming out. <laughs> that title weighs in your way. Yeah, yeah, but you've said that a few times, just not quite as. Demonstrative? Exactly. Uh, assertive? <laughs> a douche canoe? That was, assertive. That was <laughs> demonstrative, demonstrative well, yeah, as we're talking demons. Something that's really been kind of clicking with me is the thought that because we believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and omniscient and omnipresent, and that because he has all things, that when he delivers his messages to men— it's almost like he's downloading everything of who he is into these people. I think we look at the Bible like that because Doesn't I don't think that it could be that way. I think that he he inspires and he gives these ideas to men and men pin them down, but they pin them down in the only way that they know how. I think he allows the human element to get into it. Well, and, and, and I think too that like we said earlier, it's going in and just sinking to the bottom. So and until they're ready and able to receive it and to hear it the way they're supposed to hear it, it's just. But so if he tells somebody that, you know, the a man who looks up and he says, "Look at the stars in the sky," you know, and he looks up and he says, "Oh, that's that's a, a big black piece of fabric, and those stars are going to sit up there," you know, and that's how the human thing thinks about it. And there are some things that God says that are just absolutely part of his plan and true about the Son of God or whatever, but other things he doesn't overly define for you. In other words, I don't need Genesis 1 to prove the existence of how the universe was made in the perfect order. A lot of people want to do that. They want to go through all of Genesis. So why do I bring this up? Well, I think it's because those things that like Andy mentioned, like, you know, schizophrenia or mental illness and things like that, I think it's quite possible that a lot of what was going on in the first century, that these these people would go to magicians who would offer them medications, and it's called pharmakeia, and that's where we get pharmacy from, and that's what these spiritists were doing, and God wasn't allowing them to use drugs and things like that. Okay, but these other nations were, they had these like shamans, right? That would well, create these medications and do these things, the right? The woman of issue of blood, it, it says that she'd went to many doctors. To, she'd spent all of her money. All of it. Right. And so, and there's other, there's other places, you know, where people go and they try to get, you know, help from a soothsayer. Go to the dead and talk and find out. I mean, think about what King Saul did. Right, that was our first Halloween edition. Was King Saul meeting the Witch of Endor? So well, these, you're, you're talking about the first century. So you're talking about the first century BC, or are you talking about you know the first century where where the zero comes when Jesus is born? Okay, in that time frame when Jesus is a, as a young man to a man. Well, I think that stuff was happening even before then, and I think a lot of the things that were written in the Bible back then still pertain to. People in countries that are third world countries that don't have knowledge like we do. I mean, we know what the stars are, and we know this. We know it's not fabric. We know these things. But people that that don't have a lot of, I'm going to say intellect, and I'm not trying to 
put anything, put anyone down. So <laughs> you said, so access people. Access to information. Yeah. Like this. Well, exactly. Like like access. I like that. I'm going to use they that. They don't have internet. Access to information. You have to, there has to be some kind of explanation. And that's what I think Genesis and, and, and a lot of those books are about is trying to explain some of those things for people. Yeah. And. Uh, for the people in those times, or what's going on? I like how you on. said that. People who don't have intellect, and I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I, I, I like your wife's version, access to information. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're stupid, but I mean that in the nicest way. No, no, I way. don't know that they're that stupid because they're living off the land, and you put me in the middle of nowhere, and I probably die. Right. Well, I, okay, so the only reason I bring this up, I want to give you sort of like an example. This is my best my best try here, okay? Welchianism. Yeah, yeah 102. Maybe. So if you... If you think of these people that had these oppressive things like being blind and mute and things, the Bible makes it pretty clear that Jesus gives them the ability to see and to speak. So he solves that. And we know that people can be born blind today, that we can't recover their sight. But there has been some pretty new technology that's been actually doing just that, okay? Have you seen that, Andy? I have this hissy mic. Um, <laughs> yes, Sorry, everybody. Did you say for the sissy mic? Hissy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, everybody, for the sound of this mic. Yeah, yeah, they're putting things, chips in people's brains. Uh-huh. And uh, and actually, people are seeing, and the images are getting better. It started off as kind of like a real low-resolution dot matrix. Mm-hmm. and uh, But, yeah, people are actually seeing. They're being able, their brains are able to translate the information that is, uh, that is coming into their head via a chip, literally, in their brain. And make sense of it. Right. Yep. Some of the best videos on the internet are little babies hearing their mother's voices for the first time because of cochlear implants. Yeah. If you ever feel bad, go look at those videos and make you feel so good. Have you yeah. seen the ones of people that have those those new glasses they're giving to people that are colorblind? Yes. And they yeah. can see colors oh, with yeah. those glasses on and they just flip. It's another. It's like what you're saying. Uh, it's just pure joy. Yeah, pure joy. I wonder if the first chips were 4D6s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that some. <laughs> I, I uh, believe it. It's We're an, not nerds, Cherry. That's okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. Uh, well, I'm probably. What is it? Probably what is it? What about candy. intellect? <laughs> yeah, you're the ones without. You're the one without intellect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of lacking, yeah, you're the one that's lacking intellect, but yeah. don't feel bad about it because. So, but Cherry the, will be able to survive. The 486 was an IBM computer. Probably that's so. all it was. Just a component. It was a 486. It was a chip for IBM computer. All right, so. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm just imagining, okay, so as the author of the Gospels is trying to describe what they're seeing, he's telling them the malady that they have, and then Jesus is solving that problem for them. So Jesus was a healer, and we believe that the Holy Spirit did that, those who of us who believe. But if you're outside looking in, you're like, okay, so this man was just a healer, then how the other people around him would explain it, or the author of the book, how they would explain it in their modern way of thinking oh, yeah. at that time so that they would understand. So I don't believe that they were introducing this concept. They were actually just speaking in regard to the concept, and then Jesus handled it in their modern way. Most everything was written years after that. They'd had time to process all of that. Yeah. And fig- toward their best to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, it's after the fact. Yes. It's always that way. Yes. Listen, we could all go out to dinner right now, mm-hmm. have the same server. Are you buying? No. Mm-hmm. Order the same food, Ralph be did. in the same restaurant. Go home, and in a week, we all write a story about it. Uh huh. All the stories would be different in some know. way. I don't know. All of you would say that I ate too much. <laughs> and some I of would the too. gospels are the same. <laughs> no, you're right. And parts are similar. <laughs> Those would be the synoptic. That's correct. No, but you're right. You're right. It was. It's different perceptions. They all had for Jesus everybody. on the cross. Yes. They all had Jesus resurrecting. Yep. And there John would be had some things we would have been in the same restaurant. We would have all ordered the same thing off the menu. We would have had the same server now. And they all drove Honda Billy could have said she was a hot server, yeah. and she was the best server ever, and Holly and was like, because, she was awful. Or because my but, wife was there, I would say that she was not. That's correct, and she was the worst <laughs> server ever. No, she'd just say she was ugly. <laughs> but you notice that we could all have, and write it from a different perspective, because we're coming at the restaurant with different backgrounds. Yeah. And fast uh, just, forward it 3,000 years. Exactly. Somebody else in that life explain it or interpret it. Well, all it. of Luke's story was from a third-party perspective. Yeah. He wasn't there. It wasn't until Acts. Actually, well, he was, and you're, you're right. The whole gospel, it's third-party. 
he go. It says he goes and interviews people basically, yes. and he gets the true total story to deliver to Theophilus. Anyway, I just I wanted to rethink that for a little while. Sorry, say, sorry, we chopped up your story, Rick. No, it's okay. It, it's not chopped up. It's like perhaps the way that they were interpreting life was all that they had. That's all. That's all they knew how. And we're so much farther ahead. Now, human beings haven't changed a whole lot, but our technologies and things that we well, have Well, they have, didn't have so many things in the way either. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, we get pinged on the phone how many times a day. We get this, we get this. Back then, you got up, you worked all day long, you came home, spent time with your family, and you went to sleep. And then there was worship time or time when you were out gathering with people listening to someone talk. So, the... The stress is relative in in each culture, but they don't have they don't have as many things pulling and tugging at them. Right. So I don't just because we have access to this information uh-huh. does not make us smarter. No, no, no. I'm not I, saying I, it makes I, us I, smarter. That's why I said you know they have skills and they they had the skills they needed for the time and back in that. If I had the skills I have today and you put me back in that time, I'd probably be dead in a week because I don't have those skills that they've had to develop in order to live in that culture. And in that way of life, right? Oh, we're def- <laughs> you can you can read a letter from the from a soldier in the Civil War versus a soldier in the Iraqi War, and look how they write. Yeah, we're definitely not smarter. <laughs> well, those guys had to, those guys had to live off the land. My dearest, oh Hannah. that yes, oh, <laughs> that was the Listen, dearest. Captain Andrew Luck on Twitter is one of the best Twitter accounts to ever have followed in the history of Twitter. Oh yeah, he writes to his mother from. As when he was quarterbacking in the NFL as a quarterback, and it was from a Civil War perspective, but he used words like they, I mean, he wrote whoever did the Elizabethan. It was, was it? hysterical. Yeah. And so the well. pains in my loins. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was great. And he had to do it 144 characters at a time. Ah, oh, that's right. That's funny. It's great. You can go back and look at the archives. What's it, it is, again? It's Captain Andrew Luck. He was a quarterback. Oh, yeah. He was Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis, yeah. Yeah. And actually, he showed up this past weekend at, dressed as Captain Andrew Luck on one of those NFL Today shows or something. Oh, really? We were all like fangirling a little bit. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? You good? Awesome. All hearts and minds are clear. It's all, yeah, yeah. It's all solved. Solved. It's all solved. Yes, we have solved. It's solved position. in your mind. I yeah. thought that. I thought it was interesting in Mark's um, account where Jesus says. Um, to come out of him and do not enter him Me again. Too. Yep. Did you pick up on that too? Billy asked if they left, they wouldn't come back. But then he said, "Do not enter him again." I thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah. How awful would that be? Yeah. To to be demon possessed, have them come out of you, and to know what it's like to not be demon possessed, and then and then again. to be possessed again. It, it, it's by interesting demons. you say that because when we were going through this, I was thinking the same thing. Uh-huh. I was thinking I've never understood suicide, but if I were demon possessed and couldn't get rid of him, I think I might. That, that that would be something for me to say. If I can't shut off the voices, I think I would understand that form of, hey, I got to end this because however many years of this torture, I can't go on. There was this uh, this comedian, Brody Stevens. Uh, he's kind of a, you know, a funny guy, kind of a comedian's comedian guy. And I was listening to a podcast and uh, he committed suicide. And one of the people's on that podcast his response was, he, how old was he? He said, 54? He was like, that's a long time to be exhausted. Yeah, I remember you telling wow, me that. Yeah. yeah. And you just like, you could, you could, I'm not exhausted, but you could feel that. It's, you could understand that. It's palpable that. when you, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a long time to be exhausted. Listening to Robin Williams, you can see that there's something going on in his mind 24-7, and I could understand oh, how he exhausted. couldn't shut it off. He's just, absolutely. He's playing. Because he just, yeah. He just never, every time I've ever seen him, he just never shuts up. He's always on. Can you imagine always being on? I've done and, home And you know that's a compulsion, stuff. right? Yeah. With people like that, that is a compulsion. That is not a thing he's trying to do. That is a thing he probably cannot stop oh, yeah, doing yeah. when there's people in the you, room. You, you can't see a show that he's been on where he just didn't take over like, Two words in. Yeah. Every single time. I, I've done shows with companies and stuff, and you know, you're on for like three days. I couldn't, I come home exhausted. I could not imagine being that way all day, every day. Yeah. So, in regard to what you said, Holly, and what you had asked earlier, I actually didn't get down into that in the study. So, I'll read this and then we'll wrap. This will be the end of it, right? So, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, this is red letter here. 
Jesus speaking, he says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. That's wild. So think about what Mary went through yeah. each time. If it was the same one. Perhaps that's what happened was that she got it cleaned out and then the seven came back. Who knows? That's wild, isn't it? And until she filled it with Jesus. That's right. Just like you said. The house was swept, but mm-hmm. it was empty. Mm-hmm. And the earth, the, the universe is not like a void. Yep. It will be filled by something. That's awesome. Well, great job, guys. Thanks so much for, for listening to all this craziness, you know. And it, it is scary to me sometimes when I really stop and think about it, so... We're not making light of it, people. I think my mic got possessed. It got yeah. possessed by the scratchy devil. The scratchy devil, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, it'll bring seven with it. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, thanks for being here, man. What, uh, what side dish do demons bring to a party? What? Devil dicks. And devil ham. He fed you that one. That's true. Uh, Put on <laughs> Devil crab, devil crab. So notice, Andy, when I said that about bringing seven with him, there's seven of us in here. <laughs> devil's food cake. <laughs> yep. I was thinking oh, devil's true. cake. Ah, Cherry, thanks for being here. Sarita. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Andy, Ralph, represent Big Daddy, oh, yeah. and Babe Holly. Thanks for being here. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Bye. Peace out. See ya. See ya. <laughs> he looks like he's possessed. <laughs> yes, you do. You look like you're possessed. <laughs> hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.